Father God, we give you thanks for this day that you have made, for your abundant blessings to us, your Son, Jesus Christ, for your promises in Christ that are yes and amen. Father, as we continue to gaze upon your attributes, Lord, we pray that that you would um, continue to sanctify us and um, create, um, transform us to be um, increasingly in your image, but put to put to death sin in our lives and lift up our eyes to worship you in all your glory and your splendor. So bless this time together. Continue to um, feed us by your word and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're on our 10th session already on the doctrine of God. Last week you looked at the, well Alex guided you through the relatively easy topic of the impassibility of God <laughs> through the short straw there, I think. Um, but that brought uh, us to the end of one of our first categories, which we've been looking at over the past couple of weeks, are the incommunicable attributes of God. And as we know from the past couple of weeks, the incommunicable attributes of God are those attributes of God which God chooses not to share with us. Now we, there's a gear shift in, in this catechism class, and we're going to start over the next couple of weeks um, start looking at the communicable attributes of God. So as you can probably figure out, yeah, it's the opposite of incommunicable attributes. Um, so the God's communicable attributes are those attributes in which, which he shares with us. In some way, as, as creatures who are made in his image. And so in these attributes, we, we see that God, although he's entirely other than us, and this we must not lose sight of, okay? God is God. We are not. Okay, although he's entirely other than us, he has made us to reflect him in some way. And that's an incredible thing. So while that, the implication of that is not that we are divine beings in some way, or we are some sort of lesser gods, or that we even possess the same substance as God, it does in some way show us that we are like God, as those who bear his very image. And that's a glorious truth. So these communicable attributes, what they, they tend to show us is, is they tend to show us, we call the, the imminence of God, okay, or the nearness of God to us. The incommunicable attributes tend to show us, real to us, the, what we call the transcendence of God, that he's entirely other, that he's high and lifted up, that he's, you know, he's up there, okay? But the, the imminence of God is showing us that he's, he's drawn near to us. He's, we haven't, he hasn't just left us. He's not some, uh, yeah, he's not disconnected from his creation. He's, he's chosen to, to come near to his creation and draw near to us. So, while these attributes have been in some way communicated to us, we, we're going to see, we also got to remember 
that we possess them in a way that is qualitatively different from God. I think I used this example uh, a couple of weeks ago is that so for example one of the communicable attributes of God is that that he's love so as his image bearers we also share we are able to love okay we share that attribute of God we can only love because God God is love but that does our loving is not the same as God's love okay there's a different quality to it god's love is absolutely perfect because he is love in his very being while for us we we love but our love is not perfect yeah as we all i'm sure too aware okay we are sinful and broken human beings so the love we express is not going to be the same on the same level of love that god is able to to love so any questions so far okay well perhaps the most vivid way that god has revealed his imminence to us is through anybody want to take a guess how has, what is the clearest way that god has demonstrated that he's drawn near to us yeah through the coming of Christ, the, the incarnation. Because there we can see God, like, clearly he takes on human nature in his son, Jesus Christ. So in the very act of the incarnation, God chose to become like us in every way, except for sin, obviously. And this is why Hebrews 2, 17 to 18 states, Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. So that, okay, here's the reason, purpose clause. Why? So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So, I mean, there you have incredibly good news. This is the impl- one of the implications of the incarnation of why Jesus came to earth, to be, that he became like us in order that he may identify with us in, to the nth degree and sympathize with us. That we have a high priest who's not disconnected from us, but who has been through all the experiences and suffering that we too have been through in our human experience yet he was sinless so he then is able to make propitiation for our sins and reconcile us to god so while god is entirely other than us he created us in his image he drew near to us in christ who has become like us in every respect to who suffered and died for our sins who rose again on the third day and he has shared something of himself with us because of his love for us for for his creation so the fact that we share some of his attributes is 
an expression of, of his love for us. So any questions before we dive into the first communicable attribute that we'll look at? Okay, well, let's look at the first attribute, and that is the spirituality of God. So the closest definition that the Bible provides for us about God, about his essence, is that he is spirit. Okay? Jesus says in John 4, 24, God is spirit. Okay, the Greek doesn't say the God that God is a spirit, is a spirit, but that he's spirit. Okay, it's describing his very essence, his very nature. And so What's the implication of this? So what that God is spirit? What bearing does that have on God? How we understand him and worship him? Because not everyone believes this. You must understand that. Okay, for example, the, if you've had those polite young guys knocking at your gate who are about 19 and have got the badge saying elder on and Jesus Christ in big letters, um, okay, the Mormons, okay, <laughs> a cult, a heresy, <laughs> um, their version of God, anyone knows? What's their understanding of God? His essence. He's a man who became God. Yeah, he, he's, they don't believe he's spirits. They believe he's, he's a physical He's like, uh, if, you, if you've seen, if you've ever been into the Sistine Chapel, and if you've seen those incredible paintings by Michelangelo, there's the second commandment violation there, which you'll look at in a moment, of um, a big man touching Adam. So the, they believe that he's flesh and blood. Okay? Yeah, like the, the, the pagan gods. Okay, the fact that God is spirit is very important for us to grasp here because it means that in his very being, he's distinct from the world. Okay, the nature of creation is that it's, it's, you can see and touch it. Okay, it's also the spirit world, which is also creation. Um, but he's distinct from the world. His being is immaterial. Okay, he is invisible. He's, he has no body. He is unseeable. He, he cannot be discerned by bodily senses. Okay, and so this is one of the strongest reasons, apart from the second commandment, which states this explicitly, that we should, it, it, it's, it's not legitimate for us to create images of God. And this is rooted in our theology, our Understanding of who God is in his essence. Why should fundamentally we not paint or, or create any kind of images of God? Yes, okay, but he's spirit. Can you draw a spirit? You can't. It's invisible. The nature of spirit is it's, it's invisible. It can't be discerned with bodily, with, with our eyes. So any depiction of God by humans, is going to be a figment of our imagination and therefore an illegitimate image. Basically, 
use biblical language, an idol. Yeah, this is a very serious thing. That's why it's right up there in the second commandment that we are forbidden to create, draw, depict in any way images of God. Because by his very nature, he cannot be represented physically. Any questions about this? I know we chat about this when we, we looked at the Westminster Shorter Catechism and we looked at the you know, when it, section where it goes through the commandments. It's very common to see depictions of, of, of the Lord in a lot of church culture today, unfortunately, and nothing much, there's not much thought, I think, that goes into that. Yeah. The, the image, which is perhaps not God. And so, I mean, I, would, uh, have, I knew that, I know that commandment really well. I mean, we all do. Um, but I still drew pictures, showed pictures, made pictures, not making the connection. Sure. Yeah, I mean, even if we don't worship it, it's still, it's still problematic because it's, it's communicating, it, 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 lead, it can lead us into, you know, when we're we, we praying to, to the Lord, we should not try and picture him as, yeah, as somebody who you saw on the Passion of the Christ, for example. I know it's, it's in a way it's difficult, but um, yeah, because God is spirit, we do worship Him in spirit and in truth. Okay, well, we can talk about that. In one hand, God has revealed himself as Father. He came down to us, God the Son, Sli is the Son, not a daughter. But God in himself, yes, and we even use the masculine pronouns, but we must understand that God is, I don't want to be careful in saying this, but God, God is not a man. Okay, God is is not a gender. Those are human terms. He has revealed himself as the Father and second person of the Trinity as the Son. But he's... You hear what I'm saying? He's, he's, he's not... He's, because the truth is he created men and women in his image. Okay, so if he was in his essence, in his being a man, well, then we wouldn't have women. Okay, but women are as much created in the image of God as men are. Okay, so, um, 
It's an important thing because we don't want to go on the other side of the thing where, you know, this is kind of where liberal Christianity tends to go and, you know, it's influence of paganism, that God is a woman, okay, the, the divine feminine. I mean, we, you're Mother Earth and we reject that wholeheartedly. How's it, Malcolm? Welcome. Good, good. Can't we just in the middle of our Sunday school, yeah? Um, yeah, so we don't want to, as, as true as it is that God is not a woman, he's not a man either, although he has revealed himself as father and as the son. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Are you convinced or are you not too convinced? Yeah. When everything about the communication really involves some imagery of God, the revelation of God. But, Patrick, I think it's interesting. We look at the Gospels. Okay, we look at Jesus' life. I find it interesting that nowhere in the Gospels do we find a physical description of Jesus. There's not a shred of it. I mean, the only, the closest thing we've got a physical description of Jesus is Isaiah 53, which basically tells us he was nothing much to look at. But I mean, so if Jesus' features and hair color and if he had a beard, a beard were important, you know, don't you think the gospel writers would have taken some time to to describe him, but, but they don't. I mean, the, the, the Bible talks, describes God in anthropomorphic terms, which we'll look at in a moment, okay, like the hand of God, etc., etc. But that's, I think that's a different category. But Jesus, we don't get descriptions of. And the thing is, if I think that it comes back to is, well, where, what is then the closest thing that depicts God physically? Jesus. Sure, but us, because we're in his image. <laughs> Not saying we worship ourselves or anything like that, but. He's created us in his image, but it's completely illegitimate then to depict the image of God. What he's given us he's, is sufficient. I mean, the other physical thing that he has, has given us to point us to him is death and baptism. And the nature of the Lord's Supper and baptism, the sacraments, is are they very elaborate and showy and... You know, no, they're very earthy and, and simple and they make use of everyday elements. And there's a reason for that. So then the Catholics are wrong because they say the image of Jesus was captured in the Turin Shrine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're most definitely wrong. I mean, yeah, that's most probably a fake. But, uh, <laughs> hey, Kevin, how's it? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the way Dr. Horton says, and I think I've quoted this before, but he says that the, the organ 
Christian life is the ear, not the eye. Yeah. If the eye seeks to possess and control and evaluate, but the ear receives and believes and obeys. Absolutely. Okay, it's, it's a very good point. Um, and this was what was recovered during the worship, um, church worship in the Reformation. The medieval church had created these very elaborate worship services, um, which were, you know, if you've ever been into a, a medieval church in, in Europe, you know, it's a feast for the eyes. There's bling fest, there's gold, there's crucifixes. Okay, I've not chosen a good day here. Um, <laughs> Government waterfall is not necessarily dorsal, <laughs> um, but it, it was very bling, okay? It was a performance, okay? If it was in the 21st century, there'd be smoke machines and lights and uh, all sorts of graphics and everything to stimulate the senses. Yes. Sure. Sure, Lorna, I mean it, it's a it's a fair point. But you see I think what was happening in, especially in the medieval church, was that the, the emphasis was the, the visual. And the, um, the Bible wasn't being preached. It was all about, well, it wasn't being preached as it should have been. Uh, it was all about the, the visual and not the, the word. And the big change that the Reformation brought was the center, bring the gospel back to the center, bring the pulpit back to the center, dumb, basically clearing yeah, very plain, very simple worship um, in terms of the, the interior of the building and just the service itself. It, it you know, wanted to, to get declutter everything and make the main thing the main thing, God, his gospel, his word. And that is, I mean, from the earliest times, the Christians have worshipped, the, the center of Christian worship has been the preaching of the word, the singing of God's word, the praying of, of God's word. Um, so very much focused on a book, not all sorts of sensory um, elements. Yeah. Well, they could hear... Other tools. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, that that was the logic. That that was the logic. Yeah. But all that beauty and so on, wasn't it also because 
Well, it was paid for by the indulgences of the peasants. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's just look at some scriptures here so we can finish off here. Can I just ask, yeah. you know, one thing you're saying about Jesus not being physically Superstar. Sure. I mean, that's who he was, his demographic, for sure. But he wasn't, dis- he's not, dis- his features or anything like that are not described. Yeah. Okay, some scriptures here. Welcome, Janneke. Uh, 1 Timothy 1.17, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, there you go, the only God. 1 Timothy 6.15 to 16, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the king of kings and lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. That's important. Okay, so Patrick, going back to I think your question here is, well, what about the parts of Scripture which do, which do speak about God's hands and his feet and his ears and his eyes and his nose? Doesn't that then indicate that God does have a body and that he can be portrayed in, in physical ways? Well, say that these descriptions are what we call anthropomorphic. Okay, in other words, that they are used as figures of speech to compare God to man. It's not communicating that God actually has a hand or that he actually has a nose. He's, why not? He's spirit. <laughs> That's his essence. Okay, the scripture speaks in these terms to help us understand certain things, characteristics about God's nature. So when it talks about the... Um, the hand of God delivering Israel from um, Egypt, it's describing to us God's strength in, in saving his people. Not that he actually has this big hand <laughs> grasping down. Um, so they used to make a, a deeper point about God's character, and you know, we, we shouldn't take them literally. Welcome, Mel. Um, so the implication then of, of God's spirituality for us is... Well, similarly, we have, as God is spirit, so we have also been created with a spiritual side. Okay, so we have, as human beings, we have both a physical side to us, we have a body made of flesh and bones, and then we also have a soul or spirit. There's there's an immaterial side to us. We are not entirely just flesh and bones. When we die, it's not just kaput. (laughs) Okay, we, our soul or spirit, Continue to, to live on. Okay, if we in Christ, we will, we will be brought into the presence of the Lord. We will dwell with him until we are resurrected in, in, in a new body. 
So, any last questions before we wrap this up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is. Okay, the, re- the resurrected Christ certainly is in his resurrection body. The same body that Thomas touched, they wanted to touch all the nails on his hands. He is up there in heaven. He's not, uh, yeah, he's, he's not a ghost. Okay, but yet God is spirit. And this is, this is the, the nature of the mystery of the, the incarnation. Okay, so God... And this is unique to God the Son. Okay, he is reigning in the right hand of God the Father in a body. But God, in his essence, he is spirit. Yes, there's mystery to this. <laughs> yeah. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time together. And Lord, we pray that you continue to um, transform us according to your image as we sit under your word and um, we would worship you in increasing wonder and awe. Our faithful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one who was, who is, who is to come, whom no one has seen and whom no one can see. And Lord, we pray that you would now, God, prepare our hearts as we come into your presence and worship you and pray that you would be with us by the power of your spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.